Carlo Sport. Carlo Soccer Nationalist Premier Division. Doyle's late goal keeps Critty Yard in title chase. Article by Harry Shorthose. The score Hanover Harps 1, Critty Yard United 2. Just like New Oak last week against Kilree, Crettyard had to dig deep to keep themselves in the title race. However, the epitome of a top side is that, when they find themselves in trouble, they manage to see the game through. Danny Doyle's late second-half goal was enough to earn Cretty three extremely valuable points. An injury-riddled Crettyard dominated the game from the off and should have been clear at half-time, but couldn't convert their chances into goals as Hanover, and Harry Lloyd in particular, made life hard for Cretty. After seven minutes, an Anthony Fitzpatrick corner from the left was headed wide, whilst four minutes later, David Kelly missed an open goal as he put an effort wide under pressure. On 17 minutes, Jack Brady, down the right, played in Fitzpatrick who couldn't control the ball. Four minutes later, a Fitzpatrick corner from the left led to a scramble in the box with the ball being put wide. Hanover went close with a scramble in the box which led to John Dunphy saving. With 20 minutes to go until half-time, nobody got onto the end of a garrowed Cudahy cross from the right before a Craig Comerford corner from the right was cleared. With seven minutes to go until half-time, a Comerford free on the edge of the box was hit wide. A minute later... A Cudahy effort was cleared. Hanover's Darren Brennan went close with an effort that was hit into the side netting. With six minutes to go, Doyle missed a sitter as he put an effort wide. With two minutes to go, he had another effort blocked. On the stroke of half-time, Kelly shot straight at the keeper as he didn't have enough power on it, whilst Ryan Byrne also squandered a gilt-edged opportunity as he broke down the right and shot but his effort was saved by Stephen Scanlon in the goal. The second half started the same way as it ended with Crettyard dominating. Three minutes in, Doyle in the middle set up Fitzpatrick on the left who couldn't control his effort. Six minutes later, Garrod Cudahy sent a free over the bar. Twelve minutes into the half, Mikey Burns free from the left found David Kelly who knocked it in to give Cretty the lead at last. Just after the hour mark, a Hanover free was sent over the bar. A Comerford corner from the right was cleared before Kelly found himself through on goal one-on-one but ran into the keeper. Jack Brady put a couple of efforts well wide. With 15 minutes to go, Kelly put an effort high and wide. Two minutes later, a corner from the left found Owen Byrne at the back post who headed into the back of the net to draw level. Crettyard went on the attack searching for another to put them back in front. Brady from the left put an effort wide while Stoyle on the right had an open goal to shoot into, but put his effort wide. Mark Davis shot over the bar for Hanover. Eight minutes later, with New Oak players watching on on the sideline, Doyle came in from the right to slot in past Scanlon to go back in front. With five minutes to go, Mikey Byrne shot wide. Crettyard hung on to claim a win that keeps them right on New Oak's coattails. The teams, Hanover Harps, Stephen Scanlon, Jason Murphy, Dylan Doyle, Johnny Waters, Harry Lloyd, Brandon Redmond, Shane Kelly, Aaron Kinsella, Yarno Fisher, Mark Davis, Owen Byrne. The subs, Darren Brennan, Shane O'Keefe, Pa Dowling, Mikey Horahan, Kevin Power, Alan Shaw. Crettyard United, John Dunphy, Seamus Dowling, Craig Comerford, Mark Lyons, Mikey Byrne, Jack Brady, Garrod Cudahy, Ryan Byrne, 
Danny Doyle, David Kelly, Anthony Fitzpatrick, The Subs, Luke Marr, Matt Kelly, Lee Salter, John Brennan, Jonah Kelly, Farrell Cudahy, Jason Enright. Rugby. Provincial Towns Cup First Round. Carlo Progress thanks to Cullen's late, late winning intervention. The score, Carlo 19 points, Longford 18. Article by John Shirley. A grandstand finish squeezed Carlo into the second round of the 2022 Towns Cup by the narrowest of margins at Oak Park on Sunday. A try scored in the last play of the game put Carlo one point ahead of visitors Longford on a 19-18 scoreline. The conversion was missed, but then the referee blew for time and the home crowd knew that their team had just gotten out of jail. Carlo got a dream start with a converted try within two minutes, but for most of the game, visitors Longford looked the most likely victors. Longford players allowed the kick-off ball to roll into touch metres from their line. Carlo stole the line out and then won a scrum before centre Dan Crotty got in for a try. If anything, this early try seemed to make the home side complacent and wayward. For the rest of the first half, Longford dominated territory, while Carlo slid off tackles and were generally wasteful of chances. The first half penalty count by the referee who came all the way from Castle Bar went 6-4 against Carlo. Carlo prop Ross Byrne was injured early on and replaced by Kean Clark. The threatened Longford opening try came in the 14th minute. Winger F. McGowan collected the ball deep in his own and weaved his way through would-be tacklers before passing to the strong number 8 Aaron Byrne, who ran in under the posts. The conversion by out-half A win made it 7-all. Apart from two missed penalty attempts by Carlos Richard White in the 17th and 40th minute, the rest of the first half was dominated by the Midlanders. Their second try in the 22nd minute came as no surprise, an only desperate Carlo tackling and a couple of dropped Longford balls on the Carlo line prevented the visitors from being more than 12-7 ahead at the interval. Longford's second try was scored by centre George McDermott after some impressive attacking play. In the second half, Carlo showed more urgency and more of the play was in the visitors' half. But it was still Longford who scored next. A penalty against Carlo on the halfway was moved forward for dissent. This brought play into the range of winger Chris Hughes, who kicked a good goal to put his side 15-7 ahead. As the second half progressed, Carlo showed more threat with the ball in hand, and the Midlanders seemed to be tiring. Prop P.O. Farrell, who caused problems in the first half, was being tackled early and driven backwards. Influential number 8 Aaron Byrne was substituted. For Carlo, winger Kevon Brennan and the two centres came close to scoring. Full-back Richard White kept it safe at the back and put in long probing kicks. West Shirley was dominating both home and away lineouts. But the next Carlo score did not come until 35 minutes into the half. It was a try worth the wait. The ball passed through several hands before it was flashed to Sam Cullen, who scorched in for the touchdown. However, even with the Richard White conversion, Carlo were still a point down at 14-15 and time was running out. To the frustration of the home support, Carlo conceded another penalty which was goaled by Hughes. Longford's lead was now four points. Carlo had to score a try with only two or three minutes left. 
The pressure was immense, but Carlo were now piling on the pressure. Longford conceded a couple of penalties near their line. Carlo made no error in the line-out, and in the last play of the game, Sam Cullen scored a second try, almost a carbon copy of his first. Relief and joy all around the Oak Park faithful. Carlo's reward is a second-round game against Navin in Navin next Sunday. Carlo's coach, Corey Carty, said that while Carlo left it late against Longford, he always felt that they had the firepower to win the game, especially in the backs. We have things to work on for next week. Nerves may have been an issue today. I felt that our passing was okay, but we need to concentrate on holding on to the passes. The teams? Carlo, Richard White, Sam Cullen, David McDermott, Dan Crotty, Kayvon Brennan, Alan Owens, Jeff McDermott, Owen Edgehill, Connell Slater, Ross Byrne, John Lyons, Wes Shirley, Captain, Connor Moore, Johnny Murphy, Connor Tracy, the subs, Evan Gordon, Kean Clark, Isaac Daly, Connor Moore, Johnny Crossley, Longford, R. McHugh, Jay McGowan, George McDermott, D. McHugh, Chris Hughes, A. Wynn, F. McGowan, P. O'Farrell, H. Connolly, Captain, D. Quinn, B. McManus, D. Geelan, J. Geelan, M. McHugh, Aaron Byrne, the subs, J. Ford, P. Malloy, F. Davis, A. Byrne, D. Connolly. Alliance National Hurling League Division 2B, Round 4. Nolan's last gap sideline cut earns Carlo a point. Article by Ger McNally. The score? Kildare 214, Carlo 20 points. One thing we know for sure from this game. Chris Nolan earned Carlo a draw with as sweetly a struck sideline ball as you will see all season, with virtually the last puck of the ball in the fifth minute of injury time. But after that, it really is hard to know what to make of this game. The reaction of both teams at the final whistle said it all. Should we be disappointed that we didn't win? Should we be glad we didn't lose? For Carlo, both emotions were equally applicable. When you are six points up with 15 minutes to go, you are bound to be disappointed not to win. But equally, when you are two points down going into injury time, you are delighted to take a draw. It's a result that leaves both sides with a chance of making the semi-finals going into the last round of games on Sunday week. But just as easily, either side could find themselves in relegation trouble. Ultimately, Carlo will pinpoint the dismissal of Jack Kavna for a foul in the build-up to Kildare's first goal in the 55th minute as the major turning point of the game. It was a bit unfortunate for Kavna as his challenge on Jack Sheridan was a genuine attempt at a fair tackle, but was slightly mistimed and a risky move for a player on a yellow card. There's no getting away from the fact that in the three games that Carlo have failed to win in this division, they've gone down to 14 men. It's no coincidence. For much of the first half, it was hard to see anything other than a Carlo win. Kildare's normally reliable free-taker Sheridan was having a nightmare in front of the posts, while at the other end, Kevin MacDonald was stroking the ball over at his leisure. Many of the frees scored in the first half came as a result of Kildare's inability to handle the power and physicality of the likes of John Michael Nolan and Sean Murphy in the half-forward line. Carlo led eight points to seven in the 31st minute, but enjoyed a purple patch in the closing minutes before the break, scoring the last four points to lead 
12 points to 7 at half-time. MacDonald extended that lead early in the second half and Carlo looked relatively comfortable through the first 20 minutes of the second half. Kildare cut the lead to four at one stage, but even a change of free-takers failed to fire them up, and Carlo were soon back into a six-point lead. However, the game swung in the 55th minute when Brian Byrne fired to the net from 25 yards, and Carlo got a double whammy when Kavanagh was dismissed. When Kildare got their second goal eight minutes later through Gary Keegan, it looked like Kildare were gearing up for victory. They were two points up late on before John Nolan's long-range effort halved the deficit, but Carlo's hopes looked dead and buried when MacDonald put a 45-metre free past the post in the third minute of injury time. Kildare did feel aggrieved that the referee allowed five minutes of injury time after three had been shown on the board by the fourth official, and that allowed one last chance for Tom Mullally's team, and Nolan made sure of a draw game with his brilliant sideline cut. The teams, Kildare, Paddy McKenna one point from a free, Paul Dolan three points, Simon Lacey, Cahal Derivan, Sean Christensen, Ross Kelly, Kevin Whelan, Cahal McCabe one point, Rian Boren, Brian Byrne one goal, Cahal Dowling two points, Johnny Byrne, Kevin Ahern, Jack Sheridan three points, two from frees, Jerry Keegan, one goal and three points, the goal from a free. Subs, Shane Ryan, one point for Kelly, 25 minutes. James Burke for a Hearn, 46 minutes. Carlo, Dean Grennan, Paul Doyle, Connor Lawler, Michael Doyle, Jack McCulloch, Tony Lawler, Jack Kavna, Connor Kyo, two points, Fiocra Fitzpatrick, John Michael Nolan, one point, Kevin MacDonald, 10 points from freeze, Sean Murphy, two points, Paul Cody, John Doyle, Chris Nolan, four points, one from a sideline. The subs, Brian Tracy for Grennan, Marty Kavanagh for Lawler, 46 minutes, John Nolan, one point for Cody, 55 minutes, Ted Joyce for J.M. Nolan, 60 minutes, Richard Cody for Kyo, 70 minutes. The referee, F. Horgan Tipperary. LGFA votes to come under the 1GAA umbrella. Article by Kieran Murphy. The GAA, the Ladies' Gaelic Football Association, the LGFA, and the Camogie Board could be unified into one body in five years' time. So says Maria Kinsella, the co-chairperson of the Gaelic Players' Association, the GPA. Speaking to the Nationalist on Sunday, the Carlo inter-county footballer was reflecting on the massive endorsement which came out of the LGFA Congress the previous day. In Belfast, the LGFA voted 67-8 to 8 in favour of uniting the three bodies. Earlier in the week, the GPA also voted in favour of integration, while on a Zoom link, the 31 captains of teams in the country supported the move. When asked would the move to integration be a slow burn or would matters move quickly, the high-ranking officer hoped the latter would be the case. That is the million-dollar question. The Camogie Association will vote in April at Congress. I would be quite confident that will pass given the strong commitment they have put out over the last few weeks towards integration. After that, the representative organisations will have to meet and formulate a plan. It is down for the leaders in the three organisations and the leadership teams inside them to decide what they want to achieve and the timelines they want. From a player's point of view, we want it as soon as possible. 
I think the three of us need to get into a room and decide what time is suitable for everybody, said Kinsella, who suggested that the steps to unite could probably have to be initiated at grassroots level. I think the starting point is to build it from the ground up, whereby all clubs would be given 18 months' notice to get under the one-club model. Let us do an evaluation of that. What are the lessons learned? Give the county boards three years' notice. Give a time to work things out. A lot could be achieved in five years if everyone was to put their heads and minds to it, Maria stated. The Carlo footballer agreed that there could be a fear of the unknown, while volunteers who have worked for years in their respective organisations might feel they are going to be left behind when unification takes place. There would also be a fear that, with superior numbers on the men's side, the ladies might not be heard. It is something I could relate to in relation to the merger between the Women's Gaelic Players Association, the WGPA, and the Gaelic Players Association, the GPA. There is probably a lot of similarities. We were the smaller organisation and our biggest fear was the loss of our advice and being consumed by the GPA. I think when you go to sit down and go look at the structure of an organisation you are trying to create, there are protection measures you can build in which will guarantee that the female voice is protected. It is not consumed. It is not only valued, but elevated, said Kinsla. The profile of successful female stars has never been higher. Rachel Blackmore, Leona Maguire and Kelly Harrington are sporting gods now. Meath, winning the All-Ireland final last season, gave ladies Gaelic football a massive boost. Now is surely the time to push on. You just have to look back at the RTE sports personalities of the year and see what came through. I think it is building year on year. Look at it yesterday. There were over 5,000 at a National League game between Meath and Dublin. That signals the direction we are heading in, says Kinsler.